I'm gonna put you on the ground. If you're gonna puke, you can puke on the ground. I feel like I had to I had to start the recording right then and there because <laughs> getting you yelling at your cat for puking on your bed, that's a that's a pretty funny way to jump into this episode, JB. Uh, he never pukes in my bed. He always pukes in my sister's bed. Oh, that's Life good. update. Um Hit me with it. Man. Life's busy. Um the last couple weeks of work have been hectic as fuck. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, the days go by relatively fast because of how busy I am. So, and on the coaching side of things, I'm coaching a high school soccer team. Yes, you are. Yeah. Um, our first playoff game is this Wednesday, so we are the five seed, I believe. So not too too bad. Um, I think we have a decent chance this year. You're coaching at your old high school, correct? I am. Yeah, it's kind of full circle moment. Oh, look at you. That's lovely. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of people, like coaches and teachers, parents even, that I remember. And you're like, damn, from, I'm on the other side now. From like six, seven years ago. Yeah, I know exactly. It's That's bizarre. crazy. But I am. I'm really enjoying it. Um, there's some ups and downs, I'll be honest. But it's uh, it's very rewarding. And yeah, I, get to go out, I get to go out there and play with the boys <laughs> at practice. So it's like kick a ball around. It's, nice. it's, it's like you're not washed up. Yeah. Except I, uh, I feel so washed up after when I'm like sore. I'm like, oh no, yeah. you were a college athlete a year ago. I know it feels like five years. <laughs> ago. It's crazy when you don't do. It's crazy how when you don't do something for eight months, it really catches up to you. Oh my god, I felt that when I was playing with my band in Newport two weeks ago, and like oh, I feel yeah. like you know back in college, I had so much time to just dedicate time to playing. I would have time to like jam with other people, and then uh, I played with the my group in Newport. And it was the first time there's six of us in the band. We kind of like rotate out. It was mm-hmm. the first time all six of us have ever played together was the performance. Like we've never, the six of us have never rehearsed wow. together. The six of us have never like, like ever been in the same room together. So for, for a six person band to play together for the first time during a performance was, it was pretty cool. That is cool. I always went very well though. I always, I always wondered how people do that, how they like, they could not, necessarily play with someone and rehearse with someone and then like they'll like play with them and it'll be perfect it, it's just... definitely it's definitely interesting and like it you shouldn't do it like you absolutely shouldn't do it but like i think it, you can kind of relate it to to soccer like someone who that's fair yeah, yeah. So, someone someone who like you've never played with before if you were forced to be on a team with them like even though you've never played with them before like you know like there's a there's a basic like schema of right. uh you know defense and uh, offense positions you would take like they just stuff that like comes naturally that you would do with someone regardless of who they are like now granted if you don't practice with them the same way in music like you're not going to be as good like yeah you're just going to know to do the basics together but you won't have like a formulated plan so i think that's well, kind of how i would relate it you know yeah no that's a that's a really good point cuz oh, like sure in soccer like you like play with someone for the first time and then I think within like 10, 15 minutes, you kind of catch up on, on their playing style and you can kind of adapt to that. Is it similar to, to that with music? I think so for sure. The other thing that you're taking into account, which I guess you also take uh, into account with soccer is skill level. I can tell you for a fact that I am the worst musician out of the six of us in the group. I'm not a bad musician. I'm a pretty good musician, but like, I, I'm just I'm objectively I think like the worst out of them like they are for yeah. sure on a level above me and I'm trying to like keep up with them but like if, in the same vein like they also they know the limit of my capabilities and like they perform in a way that lets me shine to the limit of my abilities That's awesome. And I think a lot of that comes from like improv and soloing where like they're really good like if you ask one of these guys to solo for two minutes straight they'll do it no sweat like me awesome. that's something I have to put an incredible amount of concentration and effort into. But on the flip side, if you ask me to hold a groove in like a chord progression, like I could do that for, I could do that for hours. Yeah. That's really cool. So it's I, it's, I always, it's strengths and weaknesses, you know, I always tried to surround myself with like players that were better than me. Cause it forced me to rise to that sort of level of competition. And it made me so much better as a soccer player. Oh, a hundred percent. Sure. It's a similar thing with, with mu- music. What a what a what a non nerdy intro to this episode this has been. We're just chatting, man. We're just chatting. It's a good time. Miss you. Just catching up, man. I miss you too for sure. But how how good was Andor? <clears throat> um, 
Andor is is quickly becoming one of my favorite shows ever. I, I I am always hesitant to speak with a level of hyperbole that doesn't belong there. But I really think this is like a top three, top four, top five Star Wars project project of all time easily. I can't think of anything from the first seven episodes that I dislike. Yeah, you can't think of a like a part of the show that you dislike. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I wonder like how well they're going to do with condensing the story, because I, I think I read somewhere originally that they were looking to do like five seasons of Andor. They were going to tell the whole story over five seasons. And I think Diego Luna and some other higher ups were able to tone them down. Are they doing two or three seasons? I think I you think, would. You would I think right? there's only two confirmed. Two confirmed. Yeah. Um. But I I am just enthralled with how well this show is made. It it, it feels like like I, you know me like and you're you're a lot of the same way. But I I love just movies in general. Mm-hmm, of I'm course. A, I'm an I'm an avid movie, a cinephile, media consumer. Yeah, and it's gotten to the point where I've like. I've I've seen so many movies and it's like I start to think of it like critically in a way which can be good and bad because when you watch a show like like Kenobi or Book of Boba Fett it's really hard to like enjoy it because you you see so many things that are just like why did they decide to do that yeah you see a little bit of the sloppiness yeah and I think like the average like show consumer like Star Wars watcher is just like it's like, oh, there's fan service and like I'm like really enjoying this. And I, I kind of wish I was like that, but I've just like I've read so many movie reviews and gotten so into it that it's almost impossible for me to think like that. But with Andor, it's like like everything just lines up and there's no plot holes or whatever. Like there's like there's there's clear motives for each character and their actions match that motives. And I think I said that in the last episode that we had, but I, I just I loved the fact that they're they're taking this approach to the show. I do too. And I, I think one disconnect that I've seen is there were a couple interviews with the director of the show who claimed that they weren't going to, they weren't going to abide by any fan service and that they were going to strictly focus on the structure. And I even have to disagree with that. I think there's some stuff in here that they've expanded upon that I've really enjoyed. And probably the number one thing in my mind is the expansion of Mon Mothma as a character, mm-hmm. because for the last, what, 45 years, she was kind of just this two-dimensional like woman leader. That's all she is. Such kind a of character. Decision. And but yeah. like now, like she is this complex political cunning figure who has yeah. such raw ambition and she's written so well in such compelling narratives. And she's so three-dimensional now. And I, I gotta I gotta look up the actress's name, but she is doing an incredible job of breathing so much life into this character that's again just been around for forty five years and they haven't done much with her. I think yeah, I think the, I think her name's Genevieve O'Reilly, and she's um, the, isn't isn't she the daughter of the original Mon Mothma? I I don't know. I mean, she looks like it, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm I'm gonna look that up just to make sure I'm not talking out of my ass. I'm pretty sure that she is the daughter of the original. That Mon certainly Mothma. rings a bell. Um, but. I, I think I think she could potentially win an Emmy for this, for her performance in this show. You texted um, me that. I, I I don't know if I feel that, but you want you want to talk about it? I I just think she's fantastic. I just want to I want before we get into that, I want to touch on your point of the director. I think his name's Tony Gilroy, mm-hmm. um, who said like they're not doing fan service in the show, and I think we agree in the fact that we disagree with that statement mm-hmm. because there's two ways of looking at this. It's like. When you think about fan service in a Star Wars show, you think of like, like Cad Bane showing up in Book of Boba Fett. Or you I, think- I think about that one specific episode where it's Cad <laughs> Bane like, yeah. and also Grogu and also R2 and Ahsoka and also Luke. Like, that's what yeah, I think just, of when, yeah. Chaos. Or, yeah, you think of Luke Skywalker coming back in Mando season two finale, or you think of just the entire Book of Boba Fett show, just bringing him back. Yeah. Um, But I think there's a ton of fan service in this show. And maybe that's just from my point of view, because like everything related to the Imperial Security Bureau, the ISB, Mm -hmm. I'm just obsessed with. I think it's so fascinating. It's so well developed. I don't know if you've ever read uh, any of the Thrawn books, but the original Thrawn trilogy. Unfortunately, I have not. Oh my God, it's so fucking good. I know. Timothy's on. I know. He's he's (laughs) a beautiful man. And 
that a lot of that uh that trilogy it gets into the ISB um because you you kind of learn about how Thrawn built his way up throughout uh, throughout that entire empire situation mm-hmm. and he obviously ends up becoming a grand admiral um but they give you a lot of context into that sort of world and it's so fascinating and I'm really glad that they uh that they're diving into it in the show cuz every every scene is just like like in this most recent episode um the uh the scene where where i think major partigas is his name where he's kind of mediating between uh i forget their names but the girl and the guy who are kind of like beefing with each other yeah um i just think that whole that whole it's like a 15 minute scene i was just like fascinated by the whole conversation <laughs> but yeah no i just i like that's fan service to me at the end of the day and, and like it's so well written too like just the the interior inner bureau conflict that they're bringing up and with any other show it would be so boring and probably with any other star wars project it would be so boring like if that scene was in book of boba fett like who would care about it you know but just yeah. the way that they're able to frame it in such a different dimension where and i've been telling people like you don't need to be a crazy obsessed star wars fan to get some enjoyment out of the show like this show is literally made for anyone who one like has never seen Star Wars or is like super obsessed with Star Wars. Like it totally pleases both ends of that spectrum. One hundred percent. I've been I've been recommending this show to like a bunch of my friends that aren't Star Wars fans because I'm like, you don't need to know Star Wars to enjoy the show. It's just a well written show like that. That's why it's becoming one of my favorite shows of all time. Hmm. Star Wars aside, because it's genuinely just a good show. There's, sure. no, I, yeah. there's no fucking dumbass child leia Kate, <laughs> like there wasn't kenobi it's just like what it just completely takes you out of the show there's nothing <laughs> and i i guess the bar is so low now because we've gotten so many of those moments but no i i'm i'm really enjoying it man well that's why I, i've seen a lot of online uh discourse about this like oh like star wars fans have been like eating shit for so long that you give them an apple that isn't rotten and they praise it as like the most <laughs> amazing thing they've ever ever seen after eating so much shit for the last couple of years because you know as star wars fans we, we kind of did each it for a little while just just a little yeah. bit it's we've we've had these amazing pockets along the way but i, I like to think that we're on a better path and i think that oh, yeah. door is where that ba- a better path leads but who's to no, say absolutely absolutely and i, I will like uh, i'd like to say the only thing i dislike about what star wars has come out with is the sequels i i enjoy everything else i like everything else um and there are some moments in book of boba fett there are some moments in kenobi that are like some of my favorite star wars moments of all time so i i greatly appreciate those shows while i recognize their flaws um i i i am still a huge fan of those of those shows um can i throw a question your way please do so i'm gonna say that you are this podcast's um brawn expert because uh, I, I, I will I will back away where I'm not able to speak on Thrawn. Uh, with the introduction of the ISB, do you think that we might see, even if it's not seeing Thrawn himself, you think we might see some elements that lead into the next show, which is Ahsoka, which is largely going to be centered on both the ISB and Thrawn? That's a really good question. Um, but it's uh, the, the the only kind of mishap there is the the timeline because that show does take place what 15 ish 10 15 ish years later after andor i'm just trying to since my memory is so bad i'm gonna grab a book oh he's grabbing his thrawn books i have i've known for years as a star wars fan that the timothy zahn thrawn books are like the be all end all of star wars extended literature and with the disney takeover i wasn't sure what remained canon what didn't remain canon it's it's kind of hard to to tell from the outside because i think i've told you i really really don't enjoy the books and i don't enjoy the comic books not not that they're not well written but i don't like the idea of something being canon until contradicted like to me that's like a step below canon and that's that's not something i enjoy you know (laughs) so in in all of the thrawn books they have like a timeline of everything and they just list it (laughs) of where where everything like is in place in the timeline lovely um and i I mean like it certainly matches on the timeline like it could happen um you know it's interesting because because they in the most recent episode they they had a brief 
moment with Wolf Ularen, Admiral Wolf Ularen, uh-huh. who obviously I forget the guy's name, but he's in uh he's in Clone Wars or Rebels. I don't know. My my memory is so shit. But Wolf, like Ularen is a big name in Star Wars. Um, and we know that he ends up eventually dying on the Death Star when Luke blows it up in A New Hope. Um, so that was like, I don't know, that was just a cool moment to bring him in. So they're bringing in names like that. And I remember from reading the books that Thrawn is like interacting with these people, especially in the first one when he's trying to work his way up the Empire. Mm-hmm. He's interacting with people like you are in all the time. Um so it's it's a good question because I think it's possible and and you know Disney is known for kind of trying to connect shows together just so it's not just like individual shows that you just like watch nothing happens. Um, so I think that would be a good idea. I think if they did that, for sure. Not only connecting the shows, but connecting some of the Star Wars lore because like they're admittedly with the original six movies, there's such a disconnect between the like culture and like on-screen visuals of the galaxy between the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy i've been loving seeing coruscant in the original trilogy era it's so cool and i thought always thought it was gonna be difficult to do because it would potentially like break some canon stuff it would maybe make some stuff about the emperor's hierarchy not make sense but like they've done such an incredible job of portraying it in a way that doesn't fully break canon but still feels Still feels real, you know? You know how we kind of got old of all the Tatooine stuff? Yeah. You think you'll ever get old of... Of um... of continued Coruscant stuff? Yeah. Do you think you'll ever get old of it? I, I don't, don't know. know. That's a different... It's a different... It's a different thing. Because Tatooine is, is genuinely just the same thing. Like True. And they've run that into the ground. Yeah. It's Moss Eisley, Moss Pelgo. So it's just like the same thing over and over again. But mm-hmm. on Coruscant, there's just so much you get into. Um, yeah, man. Do you want to talk about Genevieve now? Oh, I'll try. You, you, you could talk about Genevieve. I mean, I, I personally don't think there's much to be said. I, I think her performance. Her performances in the show where she's where she's on the screen are just like top notch. Well, what's just, what's her husband's name again? Because he pisses me off. It starts with a P. Yeah, I think. Um, I'm gonna look it up, but yeah, no, he's a prick. <laughs> he's a, he's a piece of shit. So like, you're wondering how they're going to extend her role into like what she is by the time a new hope rolls around. But like, you know, granted, what we know, we haven't seen Luthen since then. So I, I'm, I'm worried something might be happening to him. So his name's Parent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's a little sus. He's a little bit, a little bit. I feel like he might, uh, a little turncoat action. I'm not sure. What do we think of uh, her her little childhood friend there in this episode? I like I think that little monologue that she gave to him was probably my favorite part of the episode. Yeah, no, it was really interesting. Like just the the two face kind of espionage level shit that she's doing, I thought was really really cool. But I don't know if she's gonna be able to trust him. Yeah, something it's... something tells me that they're sowing the seeds for that to be is some MacGuffin level plot where she maybe gets screwed and becomes the Mon Mothma that we know later on, who is far less senatorial and far more rebellious. So his name's Tay Colma. Um, I think, I think she can trust him, but I think he's going to fuck it up. That's my, Oh, so you don't think it's like a betrayal thing. You think it's just like an incompetence thing. Yeah. Because, I don't think he's ever been involved in something like this. And we can see that from his reactions to what she's telling him. Mm-hmm. She's like, like when she's like telling him to smile. Oh, she, yeah, like she's he, all in. He, like, like she, she's done this for the last, like what, three or four years of her life. Mm-hmm. She's just living a lie. So she's used to it. But Tay Colma, I don't think like, I think there's a, there's a pretty big chance that he fucks this up for. Well, and speaking of Mon Mothma, you wonder how at the end of Andor the show, like people have to be in their starting places for Rogue One. So I think that to a degree that's going to connect Andor to Mon Mothma, but I'm wondering how, and I'm wondering if we're going to see that in season one or if that's going to be later on, because 
I don't know how they kind of like reconnect his relationship with Luthen and therefore Mon Motha, but I, like I'm excited for her and Andor to kind of get things rolling as they conclude season one, going to season two, because I feel like that's definitely coming. Yeah, yeah. I I'll be honest. I've watched Andor like five times since this show came out. Seriously, it's just like <laughs> it's like it's one of those things now where I'll like if I'm like doing busy work like at work and i'm just like what movie should i watch i'll just like put on andor it, it's made the background list for you yeah yeah well i mean every star wars movie is on the background list for me now i've probably like admittedly i've i've watched the force awakens like probably 70 times <laughs> just because like just in passing in the background when it, when it first came out like that time period between force awakens and the last jedi i would watch it every time i did homework like no, in high so school good. it's so good <laughs> it's like it's so good oh man let's debrief debrief on uh on on what i don't know man because i was i was ready to jump to house of the dragon if you were ready to jump to house of the dragon no i don't i don't want to stop talking about this okay let's keep talking about this then we don't have we don't have to stop talking about this it's our show brother there's so much to dive into this episode all right you know what If, if we're gonna do like a broad debrief how about you throw me what your craziest prediction is for the end of season one Oh, we're, we're halfway through the season dude i don't even want to predict i i that's something i don't like to do i you don't like, like to, predicting okay i just like to consume what's given to me okay fair. like i i love i love theorizing i love but you, Star Wars, you like analyzing but it's like i i'm just enjoying the ride man like like if you asked me four episodes ago what i thought the rest of this series was going to be or the what the next four episodes was going to be i would not have guessed that it would be some of my favorite Star Wars media. That's for damn sure. Really? But but this like like episode six and seven is just like they're just like perfect. Like that whole oh, they they build suspense so well on the show. It's crazy. Whether it's just like a regular dialogue scene or whether they're like infiltrating like an imperial base. Like it's just so good. Well, if if I can't ask you to predict, can I ask you a yes or no for okay. a very targeted prediction? Um, yeah. In the very beginning of the series, they put a lot of attention on Andor looking for his sister. Do you think mm-hmm. that plot line is going to come back? And do you think that we've already met her without knowing it? Oh, brother. Because my immediate prediction was that uh, that female ISB officer whose name escapes me, like if that's his sister... That'd be a crazy plot twist because we don't know oh. that much about her. Yeah, but there's no way, right? I mean, she's not. She doesn't look. What is it, Aldani? She doesn't look Aldani. Aldani. I, 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 feel I, like, I feel like I feel like Aldani had very like specific features, facial mm-hmm. features that they were recognizable from. Um, but I do, I do wonder how all of these stories are going inter- to intertwine because they they focus a lot of time on Cyril Khan that that fucking bitch who was primor from the first yeah the first arc well, what's his name again cyril cyril khan because I, I only know him as space javert because as i've told you like i fully <laughs> i'm fully cementing like andor andor is just the the hit broadway musical lame is but in space and andor is jean valjean who stole a loaf of bread by killing two people and Dude, this guy cyril is... is javert who's hunting him down till his death because that's his purpose this guy is so miserable it is, he is so, so miserable but like he's so funny they're like they're gonna meet up again but what's gonna happen when that happens however they're you're starting to see like how how cyril and cassian's stories are aligning because mm-hmm. at the end of episode seven like obviously cassian andor is imprisoned for that whole debacle and then they cut to Ciro Khan, who's essentially in prison too, mm-hmm. with his job now, because he's just working a, a desk job. And <laughs> Which is prison. It is prison. It's like, yeah, it fucking it definitely <laughs> is. But no, it's like it's interesting because he like looks up to the the camera too. Mm-hmm. Like in that scene when they're panning out at the very end. And it's like, wow, like he's like stuck. Yeah, those are really like mesmerizing visuals. And you, you'd only don't only see those parallels with uh, their circumstances, but also with their relationship with their mother figures, mm-hmm. with Cyril with his mother, oh, and then yeah, and then Andor with his. I, what, what's what's I I completely forget her name. I'm so bad with Marva. new character names. Yes, Marva. Yeah, and just like the parallels with that, because Marva kind of pushes him away while Cyril's mother keeps him close and tries to help him. It's 
it's interesting how they're kind of lacing up those parallels, but in a very, very subtle way. Because it's, yeah, no, that's a great point. Because it's it's pretty clear that they both want what's best for them, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, even Cyril's mom. Because, cause, I mean, Cyril's mom is more like, like I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you how it is. Um, because I'm I think it's what you need to hear. Like that whole dialogue between between Cyril and her about like her calling out uh his like tailored outfit, and she was like, uh, what'd she say? She was like, what do you think that tells people? And he was like, I don't know, mom. What does it tell people? <laughs> like, <laughs> miserable prick. She's like, it tells them that you are insecure, basically. And I was like, I, yeah, like that's totally true. Yeah, She's telling sure. him what what he needs to hear. And then Marva is like, you can't stay, and I can't leave. Essentially, like that that was the 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 ending of that conversation that they had on Aldani or Ferrix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting quote too, because like it's so clear that they both love each other, and she knows him so well that she knows that he can't stay. But she, like she said, is just like, like, I'm nearing the end of my life. Like, I need to find purpose. Like, I can't just, like, fuck off to some beach planet and just, like, try to enjoy my I life. I can't like, fuck my, off to space, Miami. Like, like my husband, like, was hanging in the streets. Like, I can't just fuck off. Like, I need to do something about this. This is without a doubt some of the heaviest material in a Star Wars show, but man, are they running with it so well because there's such a difference between doing something like edgy and crazy just for the payoff of it versus actually tying it into your show in a more meaningful way. Like not, not to, not to slight on house of the dragon, but I feel like in game of Thrones where a lot of the gory stuff had a narrative purpose, a lot of the, crazier stuff you see in house of the dragon nice train going by cool a lot of the stuff that you see in house of the dragon is i just don't see it serving the plot as much and really i mean are we gonna move on to house of dragon now we can if you'd like and the thing the thing that comes to my mind especially in the last episode was the miscarriage like they really extended (laughs) that out a lot that was tough to watch bro i was sitting let's, here let's, alone with my get, no i know man let's get back to that I, but right. i i hear you no, but, like, hear but you. like but like like they really really bled that out they no, really that was, kept that going like that's that was a good like three or four fucking minutes that was fucking brutal i texted i texted one of my friends after that and i was like that was the grossest thing I've ever <laughs> watched in my life. <laughs> like, come on. But dude. like, 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 sure. What narrative purpose does it? Serve? I get. I guess you could relate it to Rhaenyra I mean, it, losing it, a two ch- children the same day. Like, is it over the top? Like, like, yeah, it's over the top. But, but does it serve a purpose in the show? Yeah, I think. Oh so. no, yeah, I'm not denying it that it does. But I'm just it, enough to warrant that long of a crazy. Well, it almost puts it almost puts, scene. It almost puts the viewer in her position where it's like, like it is just absolute chaos in her life right now. Oh, yeah. Like she just fucking found out that what she thought she was going to do for the rest of her life as would be the queen was just taken away from her Dunzo. from her from her childhood best friend. And then not even 30 seconds later, like <laughs> like that happens. Like, and then and then not even an hour later. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> fucking kid. Okay. Oh my god! And the other thing that I was uh, talking about with my friend, like, I just the rush that I got where he lands the dragon, and then you see the other like bigger dragon in the like shrouded distance, and you realize like, oh man, they got turn their around, first. Brother. Go back. Turn, turn around. around. You've and lost my this god, moment. when fucking Diamond Chin stares him down. A diamond Chin. <laughs> Dude, oh. that the chin on that man. He was yeah. born to play a villain Absolutely. in a Game of Thrones uh, spinoff. Like, like this, this guy is fulfilling his purpose. Like, it, as an actor, if your face is just naturally shaped like that, <laughs> like, yeah, go be a villain in some crazy TV show. You deserve it. The casting in this show is perfect. Yeah, it's phenomenal, especially with the uh, the time jumps. They do it so well. It, I I did think it was going to be like difficult for some stuff, like how uh, Matt Smith as Damon is. Throughout all this, and then I forget the I forget the actress for the the aunt, but she is also the same thing throughout all the time jumps. I thought that was going to be a little difficult at first, but they played it off very well. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I am a big Matt Smith. I, are you 
You've never watched I, Doctor Who, right? I haven't watched Doctor Who, but I believe I believe he's in he's in the crown. Oh, he is yeah, Masmus in the Crown. He plays uh Prince Philip. Yeah, yeah Prince Philip in the Crown. Uh, just a quick nerd tangent. Uh Doctor Who, one of my favorite, like like very, very nerdy shows of all time. Uh the whole uh point of the show is that the main character whose name is the Doctor, he's an alien. And uh it, back in the sixties when the show started, the lead actor, he started having some mental issues and he could no longer do the role anymore because he was such an old guy. So they're like, oh, this TV show is so successful. Like we have to write in something that like his alien race can just change their face every couple of years. So they did that to keep the show going. And right. now 60, 60 years later, uh, for... okay, the numbers are a little weird. Is that how I... old the show is? Oh, yeah. It's uh, the 60 year uh, celebration is going to be November of 2023. So it's 60 years Holy old. Holy shit. But anyway, I was going to say long tangent, Uh, like 13. Wait, quick math. 14. They just danced. The, the numbers are weird, but there are 14 be. people who have played the doctor. Technically, there's like 15 or 16, but whatever. But the 11th doctor was Matt Smith. And so that's that was like his like original giant big break was playing the doctor, who's just like this beloved character uh, in British fiction. And the complete dichotomy of his ability as an actor, because like when he was the doctor, like he was happy and excited and goofy and funny. But him as Damon He's fucking brutal. He he's really is good actor. absolutely a, a, just a complete opposite, polar opposite 180 of what he was. And like, just that's just such a testament to his range as an actor. He's probably my favorite character on the show. Yeah. Without Damon, a doubt. Damon's, Damon is my one of my favorites. Yeah, he's really good. And I, I hate that I root for him because I know he shouldn't win. He's not a good person, but. Oh, but but sometimes he is <laughs> sometimes he is though and it's like it's like like he does things especially with like Rhaenyra like he'll he'll say something to her and it's like fuck yeah like you're the man and then he'll like ch- completely choke her out and you're like I'm... <laughs> you're like oh wait oh you're not the good guy are you well that's how I felt <laughs> that's how I felt when Otto Hightower came to him with that like really sh- really shitty plea deal and like he just immediately came at Otto with like some fucking hard line. He's like, "My sons will not be your cupbearers" or something yeah. like that. And I was like, "Yeah, fuck yeah, you're right." And he chokes his wife out. I'm like, "Ah, oh, you know, maybe you're not that great. <laughs> maybe you're okay. Maybe you're just fine." But that's Game of Thrones for you. No, that character. is Game of Thrones. No character is is fully good or bad. I would argue. Ah, uh, uh, Joffrey was pretty bad. He was pretty bad. <laughs> well, speaking of which, Joffrey spoiled House of the Dragon. Did you see that? No, I didn't. I I, w- I won't say it. I won't say it. But there is a clip that has been resurfacing of Game of Thrones where Joffrey is like taking a maiden around the castle and he's like talking about Targaryen family history. I just, you know, because the Targaryens ran shit before the Lannisters. And while he's taking the maiden and like touring her around the castle, he is dropping all this like family history. <laughs> and he 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 talks about what happens to Rhaenyra. And he it, it's pretty crazy to think that that clip for the show from like 2014 ish, 2015 ish, whenever it was from, like, <laughs> actually carries so much weight all this time later. Yeah. Gives you a lot of respect for all of the canon content and lore that they have to think about. Hey, do you want to know what's more impressive than that? What's more impressive than that? When George Lucas wrote the line of Obi-Wan serving in the Clone Wars with Luke's father. Without even knowing what the fuck the clone and was, keeping it all together, <laughs> like, ah, oh, there's if there's one thing, George Lucas is the best at it is creating lore. Better than George R. R. Martin, you think? It is world building. It's yeah, George Lucas is is the goat at that. Well, because I think that George R. R. Martin, he just he he kind of spews everywhere, but I think he knows that he's spewing everywhere. And I think he's well, planning to spew everywhere, which is why, like, you could go into such crazy detail about Targaryen family history. Yeah, I mean, and there's, it's a, it's a difference in art. Oh, well, for sure it is. Because George Lucas, it, obviously, Star Wars isn't based off books, so George Lucas just, like, this was all a vision for him. It wasn't like he's just writing words on paper and he's like, okay, what's next? It was like he had a vision the entire time. And and every decision he made and and when making those movies was like, does it fit the vision? Does it not fit the vision? And um, 
I mean, it, if you watch the documentaries, you can tell that the guy was a perfectionist in, in every sense of in every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Like he Just hearing him talk about it as he's kind of like naming shit, it, it, it's really interesting to see how his mind works. And I think that, you know, like we were saying, you could kind of track that across all great visionaries, like whether you're George Lucas or you're George R. R. Martin. Like it's definitely yeah, two yeah, different definitely. styles, but very similar outcomes. Yeah, no, definitely. Both geniuses for sure. Speaking of George R. R. Martin, uh, I thought it was really uh, crazy. Um, I think the actor's name is Patty Constantine, who played Viserys. Uh, okay. When he died, he got a text message from George R. R. Martin thanking him for his portrayal of Viserys. And George R. R. Martin basically said, like, hey, Viserys was a character that I couldn't really crack. Like, you brought this deep sadness to him that I didn't know was present. And you know, as as an actor, I thank you for your portrayal of him. It was it was better than I could write him. Wow. And awesome. I think that that's that's probably one of the craziest compliments that you could get as an actor is when one of the greatest world builders of all time like comes to you and says, hey, like you did this character more justice than I ever could. Yeah. Wow. But, but like he did, though, like his performance as the king, as as Viserys was amazing. Him just like busting open the doors and taking a seat was one of the coolest scenes yeah. in the show. Dude, I don't know how that guy didn't die for that long. Oh, oh yeah. No, he was he was suffering from episode one and he stuck it out till, I didn't, uh, till I didn't old think zombie was, age. I didn't think he was going to make it to episode two. <laughs> he made it like like what? Seven. He seven, made it pretty far in. It's like this guy's still alive. Like, wow. oh, this man. fucking dude gets worse with every episode. Oh my god! Like right when you think he can't get worse, he just gets worse. Someone did point out the fantastic foreshadowing of when he walks in on that scene where it's this big triumphant scene of him walking down the hallway and taking his seat on the throne. Mm-hmm. That he's wearing that golden half mask, mm-hmm. and Viserys, the younger Viserys, Daenerys's brother. In season one of Game of Thrones, he dies by getting a ton of molten gold poured on his face that drips down the exact oh. same way. So they both share a name. And in the end, he died with his golden face. And in the oh. end, Viserys died with his golden face. So it's it's the the link between Viserys is very, very neat. You know, in that same episode, um, the, the dinner scene, mm-hmm. with, like the whole family eating dinner together. Yeah. And when he takes off his mask, like obviously one side of his face is just mangled and then the other side is like fine. Mm-hmm. I think that was done purposefully with where different like sides of the family were oh, okay. seated at the table mm-hmm. because the side of his face that's fine is like Rhaenyra and like that side of the family, which it, I think is portrayed as like the good side of his family. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the side of the family that he loves and will do anything for. And then the other side is like Allison and Amond and those oh, like bitches. Piece, yeah, piece of shit over there. And that side is of his face is just absolutely mangled. I just thought that was pretty cool. It's it's something that like you I don't think you notice consciously, but it like Oh, not at all. Yeah, you like, need someone definitely. to overanalyze that and, and yeah. let you know. Definitely. Like that's stuff that I would catch on like my third or fourth watch through if I was really paying attention, and I'm probably not. So So here's a question. Ask it. Do you think I saw this on Instagram today and it mm-hmm. got me thinking? Do you think season one of House of Dragon or season one of Game of Thrones? Is oh, I, I gotta go season one of Game of Thrones. Really? I got, I got, that like, was quick. That was quick. I, uh, it's not even a question, but like, really? I, I loved it because of I, I think that House of Dragon is better for a more concentrated narrative because. As much as I love Game of Thrones, the downfall of Game of Thrones is that you have to follow 15 plots at once, which is always very difficult. But I always thought that, especially in the earlier seasons, where they really prioritized that world building and being a little more loyal to the books, they made it work. Like you had these, like my father, who's really not a big, like nerdy guy, like he'll do some of the big nerdy stuff, but like to have my father like memorize all the house names and the house lore and who is in a political relationship with who, like that is crazy and it was obviously i'm just using my father as an example it reached millions and millions of people that otherwise wouldn't really consume content like that yeah and house of the dragon as good as it is it owes so much to game of thrones you know okay i think i think that's a good point i don't know if it's fair though well what's no talk talk me through your uh your your thought process i think it's a lot closer than you think and it's an interesting topic because I think I think the ending of Game of Thrones has something to do with it. 
because I think people are quick to sort of it's like I th I think people subconsciously kind of think that this era of the Game of Thrones universe kind of stinks because of the last season. Mm -hmm. And we all know that the, the sort of outlook on the last season of Game of Thrones, I think a lot of people, me included, kind of think it took a pretty significant drop in level of, you know, if, when you go from season six and seven, how many seasons of Game of Thrones were there seven or eight? I believe there were seven, maybe it's eight. Uh, I just know that uh, that's, that was on my mind today because Maisie Williams uh, said that she just rewatched all of Game of Thrones and she was like, yeah, no, the end kind of sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> that's funny eight seasons eight seasons yeah so so season six and seven of game of thrones some of the best television ever and then obviously season eight is there are a lot of things that you can complain about with season eight. well just star that. wars is to blame for that <laughs> but but i think people went into house of dragon like like kind of expecting it to not nearly be as good as game of thrones and so I I don't know. I think that has something to do with it. Because I think if you look at it objectively, mm -hmm. I think the two first seasons of the show are very close in terms of of how they tell the story. There's a lot less uh, nudity. I'll say that. And there, I, I, there is a lot less nudity. I've noticed that as well. And I think it's a good thing. Because in Game of Thrones... I think they kind of just put nudity in just to put nudity. Well, in. it it goes like, back to what we were saying about just like gruesome shit for the sake of gruesome shit. Like it was also just rampant nudity for the sake of rampant nudity. But also, unfortunately, back in 2011, 2012, like <laughs> that's what got the show a lot of attention. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and fair enough. But I, I don't know. I think I think it's I I I don't know which season's better. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's I a, need to rewatch. And I, I mean, like, I sorry, I've rewatched all of Game of Thrones like two or three times now. Um, man. just with with who did I watch with Marty, Nate, Nate, and then Marty? Yeah. Um. So I think I need to rewatch season one of House of Dragon again. Might as well. Just it was to be absolutely sure. It was it was super entertaining for me. I, I mean, it was just good to have that feeling of like, oh, it's Sunday night. Like this is this is fucking sick. Yeah, no, just have that feeling back. I actually interesting. I was about to bring up uh, the fact that it's so difficult for a spinoff TV show to have an immense level of popularity and then have people agree that it's just as good, if not better, than the original show. And as I was thinking about that, there's two examples of this year that were relatively close together. Uh, House of the Dragon and then Better Call Saul, which was probably my favorite TV show of the year. And I, it, it's just crazy to me that those two sequel shows were able to garner such mass popularity and, uh, again, have a majority of the fans say, yeah, this is as good as the source material because that never happens in spinoff shows. Like there are very few spinoff shows where someone will say like, oh, yeah, uh, the TV show Joey, that was just as good as Friends. Did you know no, that there was a spinoff of Friends uh, just about Joey? I, I, I did it not. Wasn't know good. That. I did not know that. I never even watched Friends. Um, I know I'm lame. Ah, you're not missing out on that much. Um, I just don't like sitcoms that much. It just doesn't doesn't do it for me. Yeah, it's but all good. Isn't it? This is off topic, but isn't it crazy that two of probably unanimously thought of as like top five shows of all time? Mm -hmm. Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are like like the same story like they're spinoffs like isn't that fucking crazy like good for them wait you mean House of the Dragon and Better Call Saul no no I, I I'm talking like like they're the same story they follow like characters oh they follow the same characters yeah Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad yeah like I think the fact that they made two shows from that storyline and they're both in the top five greatest shows they're of all time oh easily easily well have you watched Better Call Saul I've watched the first season and gotcha. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It's so good. And I think the reason that it found so much success is people were just kind of expecting and it, it did have a big popularity fall off in the beginning. Just just because people were like, oh, I wanted I wanted more like meth and explosions. This is just like a really this is a really like long character study, like of like a legal like law show and a lawyer show. And that was its strength. Like them Absolutely. turning it into a long-term character study about the decay of Jimmy McGill into Saul Goodman 
beautiful. And it had one of the most unexpected, but like best payoff endings I could have asked for. Very because nice. like how they were going to wrap it up was like up near though. They, they could have done a million things and I'm very happy with what they chose for the ending. I won't, won't say it won't spoil it, but man, it was good. We've touched on a, on a few different shows today. Want to touch on one more? Yeah. Touch on one more. We can wrap it up after that. Well, I wouldn't want to wrap it up with this because I haven't seen it. And okay, I well, throw it my way then. because it doesn't interest me, and I f- I feel like you've seen it, the Lord of the Rings spinoff. I, you know what, I am into every nerdy thing under the sun. I have never seen a Lord of the Rings movie. I have not watched, but I I know I will say I know two people, uh, who, like two people that don't know each other, giant Lord of the Rings fans. One of them loves it. And one of them is so fucking angry at it and like hates the fact that it like broke some level of lore to introduce a new character in the finale and all that. So I, I haven't seen it, but I know that already there is a level of discourse among what people think about it. Well, I've I've I'm not on like Lord of the Rings, Twitter or TikTok or anything, so I haven't like seen a lot of opinions. But I from what I've heard, I, I've heard that it's like a pretty good show and that it lives up to the expectations somewhat. But it's crazy that we we agree on almost everything. That's like because it is pretty crazy. Lord of the Rings just does not do it for me. <laughs> it doesn't do it for me. Either. I think I, I saw one of the Hobbit movies, but that was it. I have. Well, I, I think the Hobbit movies are just the most bang average thing ever because I, I watched all of those and it was just like, what? Like, no, this- no, they're all very, very OK. Yeah, like so okay, <laughs> but <laughs> that, that so was like I, probably my favorite favorite review of uh, Black Adam was Straw Hat Goofy on TikTok. He was like, "This was the most overwhelmingly okay movie I've ever seen." <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I actually watched the Lord of the Rings movies recently because yeah. I felt like a fraud because I call myself like a movie buff. Yeah, you're a fraud, and I hadn't seen the Lord of the Rings movies, which is highly regarded as like one of if not the greatest trilogy of all time so i wanted won an oscar i wanted oh it won like 38 oscars but well, one best picture i mean that's the that's the one that counts dude the felt what was it Fellowship, return of the king was return it to, i'm pretty sure it was return of the king that was i think that's the third one that, that won one, the oscar yeah that one that like swept the academy awards it was crazy but no to my point it's like i that fantasy just doesn't do it for me like the ogres and the elves it's just like it's not interesting to me at all but with that being said, like, I think it, I, I do think the movies are flawless. Like, it, like the world, like we talk about world building all the time with with Game of Thrones and Star Wars. But I think Lord of the Rings world building, like, it's at the same level, if not a step above. I and I, I can respect that, and the way that the plot is driven out throughout the story, I think is flawless as well. But it's just like so boring to me. And <laughs> it just, I hate, just does not do it. And I hate that it's boring because I don't want it to be. I wish because I know there are so many just like super diehard fans of Lord of the Rings and I want to be like that. But I guess I can't I guess I can't be like that with everything. Well, like, you, you, gotta... you, you can't just stuff all of that into uh, everything that's already up in your head, you know? Yeah, I mean, fair. Like you got to make you got to make room with something. No, I <sighs> any room in my brain is is being filled with Star Wars. <laughs> That's just how it is. That's not a bad way to live life, JB. It's not a bad but way to live life. I did give it a shot, and that's more than most people can say, including you. Yeah, no, including me. I'm in there. <laughs> All uh, right, man. You have any closing thoughts? Because I think I'm about uh, ready to wrap this uh, wrap this puppy up. Let's. Um... Hmm. What are you thinking? I just want to. I just want to go back to Andor for a second. Oh, go. Let's go back to Andor for a second. But I don't know exactly what, because I'm. Do you think we're gonna see K two S O in this? In this well, season? I I almost lost my mind thinking that we saw him in Space Miami when that guy was walking up, and I I was waiting to hear his number. I was waiting to hear his voice because I, I've said on this podcast a few times, and I stand by this. K two S O is the most meaningful and emotional death in all of Star Wars, and I truly believe that to my core. So to see him again, you know, it's coming, especially if we do only end up getting two seasons. Well, I think that B2, I think I said this before, I think B2 emo is going to somehow like be programmed into K2SO. Yeah, I could see that because they they have a similar stutter 
they say very similar things and there's no way that like Tony Gilroy like didn't do that on purpose you know what I mean and Mm -hmm. and also I think that this manifesto that Nemec uh gave to Cassian I think will end up like being programmed somehow I don't know but I think it will all end up leading into that sort of direction well, right now I'm going to see if they they let some secret out. I'm going to look up Alan Tudyk, who, as you know, does absolutely everything under the sun, including K2SO. Because yep. is he an Andor? Ah, oh, he's not. He is not an Andor. Yeah, but, I was looking what? to see if he was. Yeah, but that's dumb. Like <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Like that would be a huge spoiler. That would be a huge spoiler. He does everything, man. Oh, he's in. Uh, he plays Clayface and the Joker in the the DC Harley Quinn show. Do you watch the Harley Quinn show? No, it's good. It's really good, dude. It's some well, of the best maybe, Batman content that's that's out there. Maybe I will watch it because I've been. I need to. I need to just put something on. Oh, it's it's a lovely background, like twenty minute comedy. It's but it's fantastically written. So I watched. This is. We can end on this because this. Let's end of, on this. Why not end on a dumb note? Um, I watched Blackout on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was another like. It was just a movie that I put on in the background while I was working. Um, and I hear this voice like come up in the movie. And I'm like not paying attention, but I, I hear this voice and I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and it's it's like it's Kuil from Mandalorian. Oh my god. It's it's the he's he's this like is acting, the way? he's acting in the movie. And he's got <laughs> the same damn voice. It's like his actual voice. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like that sounds familiar. Who's this and guy? Then, and then his name's like Monty or something, I don't know, but I will say he was he was a pretty terrible actor. The movie <laughs> he was a pretty bad. I was like, dude, just stick. What to was voice. the bad movie he was in? Blackout. Blackout. It's like a Josh Duhamel movie. Like I don't know. I didn't huh. enjoy it. It was pretty. It was pretty terrible. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't say terrible. It was just like no, it was pretty bad. <laughs> but he was a bad actor, and uh, it sucks because he's got a sick voice. And I was like. Such, just, such a good voice going to waste. I know. Just stick to voice acting, man. Just just stick to Kuil. Stick to Kuil. Give All me right. a spin spinoff. I, I, I don't that, think we man. do. I think he's told his story. No, I need more Kuil. <laughs> All <laughs> right, man. I'm going to call it there. This has been Force Code. I have been Drew. That has been JB. Have a lovely yes, night.